Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode, uh, let's see how fast I can type in SoundCloud, 206 of the show. Uh, my name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. Just us today. What's going on this week? Another great weekend of action. Just wrapped up. The Arsenal game finished. Squeaked it out there. But, yeah, um, not so good for Chelsea, but... Young team, the new youngest team of the year, uh, or the season, I should say, and uh, it's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises to take on the way, but yeah, successful week, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I don't I don't think, uh, I think that was a, a tough result for Chelsea, but it to me, it doesn't look like they're the only team that are going to be dealing with bumps and bruises. We have Liverpool looking a little bit shaky at the back still. We have United, who looked like an absolute disaster. And then we know Spurs will come back down to earth as well. So I don't think you guys have all that much to worry about. That was definitely not what either of us or really anyone was expecting. Um, But, you know, these sorts of things happen, especially early on in the season. Um, I suppose we will jump right into the games. We had Nottingham Forest taking on Sheffield United at Bramall Lane on Friday. Actually, this one was at City Ground, but... um, Yeah, that was Friday's game. I was at work. I did watch the entire game. I had a considerable bet in. Could have been like a $600, $700 game for me. Unfortunately, one of the specials didn't hit, and I just hit the parlay. Um, But I took Taiwo Awanee to score, and what do you know? In the third minute, he went right ahead and finished a header. Gustavo Hamer scored an absolute screamer in the 48th minute to draw the two teams level until the 89th minute when Chris Wood heroics secured all three points for Nottingham Forest. This was one of the most scrappy, insane, just pure championship style football uh, match that I've seen in some time. This game looked like it was from England three, not the top flight. Um, entertaining watch, but good Lord, uh, could have gone either way. And I was super lucky, uh, the game went in Nottingham Forest's favor because it could have absolutely shifted and gone to the Blades, who had a much, much better second half than they did first. Yeah, it's tough for Sheffield to lose points here. This is one where they had circling on their calendar. They needed to get something out of it because the next few aren't very, uh, kind to them uh be the next one being against man city but yeah to, to lose it in the the dying uh, minutes of the game from chris wood of all people <laughs> it, it's it's a uh, tough scenes but uh, i'd like matt turner matt turner had a couple good moments here keeping his team involved uh that front three is looking promising it seems like alanga is getting more out of uh of himself than brendan johnson here who apparently has links to chelsea oh. of all clubs now that uh, the Elise deal fell through, but uh, we already have eight attackers. I don't understand why we needed ninth. So, um, but that's besides the point. Uh, Forrest got a scrappy three points here, as we thought they would at home. They're very strong here, and uh, yeah, it was uh, very stale for a while. I thought shout out to Orier. He did a great job, both assists in the game. He was whipping in quality crosses, and then Awani, as you mentioned, that's his sixth straight game, uh, counting the last four from last season. At six matches in a row, he scored. He's looking very strong and uh, could be a guy carrying them forward here, keeping them in the league. So hopefully they're in a good spot by the time he goes off to AFCON. And um, yeah, it's it's tough for Sheffield, really, because 
their new boy scored the banger, the goal up there for goal of the weekend, potentially. And I don't know. It was tough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on to the next one. We had Bournemouth traveling to Anfield. The Cherries taking on Liverpool at home and actually striking first. Antoine Semenyo uh, finished deftly into the bottom right corner in just the third minute after TAA made an error. They were unable to sort of clean up the issue. Solanke passed the ball through, and Semenyo scores 1-0. Uh, they held the lead for about 25 minutes until Luis Diaz um, was played in by Jota. Pass got deflected. Diaz flicked the ball up and just crashed it right in past Neto, who couldn't do anything whatsoever. Sala got on the sheet just eight minutes later when he converted his own penalty miss. 2-1 headed into halftime. They added another in the 62nd minute when Diogo Jota decided he'd be on the score sheet. This was, of course, after Alexis McAllister was shown a straight red card. Um, sort of caught the opponent's boot. It, it wasn't really that bad, uh, but the ref made him walk anyway. This is the... I think this was the first red card of the weekend. There was five, by the way, yeah, yeah. Um, which is the most I can remember in one weekend in a considerable amount of time. So, yeah, the Jota goal um, just passed in uh, right from Zoboslai, and Neto just sort of bounced it back off and right it to Jota, who just knocked it in. 3-1, final score, really dominant offensive uh, display from Liverpool, but the defense continues to be an issue. And I think if they can't figure out, you know, what to do with TAA, if they're going to actually play him in the midfield or not, uh, you know, it's going to be a problem. I think they need a genuine right back back there and they need to change the formation because they're kind of wasting Gakpo playing like deep center. Like he's not quite deep playing like center mid, but he's not where he needs to be. And I think they'd be better served just moving TAA somewhere into the midfield, playing him as a DM, bouncing McAllister up as the attacking mid, and then playing with two holding mids as well. I don't know. I don't know if narrow is the way to go or not because they have so many talented wingers, but it's it's just not good. I think they need to change something because TAA is going to continue to be a liability. He has not gotten any better as a defender, and we see it every single time he lines up at right back. He's He's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it seems as if they're just jamming as many of those front five guys in the lineup as they can. Just <laughs> I know, it's to, just crazy to me, though. Just trying to keep everybody happy as much as they can, but there's going to come a certain point where they need to secure that midfield. Um, too many guys in that that area of the field left for them to where they have to adapt, and now with McAllister potentially out for three games with a straight red, hopefully they appeal that. I don't think it deserves three games. Hopefully it's only a one-match uh, miss for them, but they're going to have to fill that hole in with their new boy, uh, Wataro Endo. And I don't know, maybe they slide Trent in there, but it seems like the Trent in the midfield thing has died off for now at least. I think Trent came off with a bit of a knock, so we could be seeing Joe Gomez start it right back next match against Newcastle, which could be a, a setup for a disaster, but things aren't looking good for Liverpool. The, the mistake from Allison on the back pass uh, in the build up. Uh, from the back seems like it's a bit of an issue still and credit to Bournemouth the first 20-30 minutes of the game they were in it high energy coming into Anfield where nobody's expecting anything out of them and to to get a great start like they did was was stunning but 
as the game went on, they got more and more spread out and gassed, and that the, that front three, just the creativity they have is incredible. Diaz making a goal out of nothing, uh, Salah doing his thing, and then Jota being in the right place at the right time. So it's good to see from them. You'd like to see more out of Zobzlai, um, attacking-wise. He was brought in as that box-to-box uh, creative guy to make things out, happen out of nowhere. And then obviously McAllister has to play a more reserved role at the moment where Ideally, you'd like to see him play it as an eight rather than a six. So we still have a couple weeks left in the window for them to figure things out. Two of their targets have been plucked away. They got their third choice, and I'm sure they're looking to bring in, an, in another one based off of Bichetic and uh, Thiago's fitness issues at the moment. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Where are we next? Uh, yes, we are at... Brighton versus Wolves. Brighton went to the Molyneux to take on the Wolves team that impressed against Manchester United last week. They were not quite as impressive uh, as last week. That's the that's the short short notes. Karu Matoma, goal in the 15th. Lovely solo. Beautiful goal. Purvis Estupignan added one in the 46th. Sally March got one in in the 51st and the 55th. Huang Hee Chan got one back in the 61st, but it was too late. Uh, what I will say is the three goals from Estupignan uh, and then Sally Marsh's two goals happened so quickly that my app was not updating right away. Uh, I was on the golf course, like playing around before my fantasy draft, and I was looking, uh, sort of watching, had it on in the cart, just just listening. And I heard a bunch of, of um, noise when I was on the green, and then I went back and tried to look. And it wasn't registering them all. It just still said that it was uh, 1-0. So a, a true, just absolute masterclass from Brighton offensively. This is what we expected, for, well, what I expected them from them uh, coming into the season. Doesn't seem like they've slowed down at all. Uh, we're still seeing Danny Welbeck get in there. We're seeing Inciso become a regular starter. Pascal Gross in there. Uh, and then the guys really from the back that were there last year with the exclusion of James Milner, who's come in and is their first choice right back at this point. So, yeah, I don't know for Wolves. I mean, this is a return to maybe what Wolves were, uh, or how we know Wolves, right? You said to me, this is exactly what's going to happen last week after we watched them play United. You said they'll come back down to earth, and they totally did. This was the second red card. Um of the week with Mateus Nunez getting one in the 95th, which sucks. I mean, it was a double yellow red. At least it wasn't a straight red. I don't know what the ban situation is like that uh, or is like so, this year. I think it's one match. So just one match. Uh, not as big as the straight red, which I think is three matches, right? Yeah, and it was a stupid one. It was out of frustration, just pushing Adam Webster in the back. And the game's over they're getting stumped yeah and just it, it was a reality check as you mentioned for gary o'neill and his side and the problem was for the first 10 minutes after the second half that's when those three goals went in to make it four nil so um it was poor poor from them to start the half you never want to give up goals like that at the end or beginning of halves it just messes up your game plan moving forward in the match so uh, as you mentioned, and CISO filled in this week at the start for João Pedro, so they might be rotating between the two of them, um, unless Welbeck picks up an injury at any point, and then that other midfield spot with Gilmore between him and Dahoud and maybe Lalana, they'll be rotating there. But it seems like majority of the squads is set in cement, is just set, I guess. March 
banger week. Matoma up there for goal of the season, potentially. Great solo run in the first half. Not too much had to been asked of being asked of Jason Steele. And yeah, just uh, you could think maybe you could be like they haven't played the highest quality of teams yet, playing Luton and Wolves, who are teams that we're considering in that bottom five area potentially. Um, moving forward, I think next week they're playing West Ham, who just got a big result, but could could realistically be along that level too. So we'll have to wait and see until they play one of those top dog teams to see if they hold up, and I'm sure they will. But yep. yeah, it's going to be hard to crack them this year. Uh, predicting them ninth seems like a, an idiotic move at this point, but you never know. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's early. And then you got, yeah, of course. And then Wolves did as much as they could. It just seemed like a reality check. They still created a lot of good chances. It just, once again, like last week, it, they, they couldn't get it the finished product yeah. enough to where it was a competitive match. I ignore he missed a handful of good chances. Lamina in the middle. Uh, Cunha is a good driving force for them. Pedro, uh, Pedro Neto on the right wing. So, I think they have the 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 build up play and the patterns to create the moments, and it ultimately once again comes down to putting it in the net, and they just can't find it at the moment. So, um, hopefully, they can find it this upcoming week where they play Everton, who are really looking bad in the medical department. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move on to the next Fulham nil, Brentford three. Uh, this was a pump, as I expected it would be. Yoan Wissa getting on the board. In the 44th minute, Brian and Boimo adding another in the 66th on a penalty, and then adding just one more on the 92nd. And of course, the third red card of the week was present in this game, and it was unfortunately our guy, Tim Ream, in the 64th minute. Um, tr- truly unlucky. That's just not what you want to see from uh, from Tim Ream. Uh, it just went from bad to worse. It was a bookable offense for sure. Second yellow. Uh, and like that, that goal in this or the uh, the red in the 64th, especially from Reem, who's extremely effective and, and important for them. You knew there was no way, uh, Fulham were going to get back into this game, and it honestly seemed that way from the off. Uh, eight shots on target for Brentford, 17 shots total. They had 45% of the possession, so pretty even there. Uh, but they seem to be playing with much more intent than Fulham. There was a lot of lazy passing, a lot of backwards play for Fulham. And it just they just never really got started uh, up top. Mitrovic is going to be leaving, so it's going to be Raul Jimenez's season. A lot of the weight is is is, is going to fall on him and Decord over Reed. Um, I don't know. It's not looking great for Fulham and Brentford are a really tough team. So I don't really think any of us expected uh, anything great from Fulham here. So went the way we expected. It was a it was a close match most of the time. It just came down to mistakes, and the first one being a poor back pass from Diop, intercepted by your boy Visa, the the milk dud himself, and then um, and Buemo on a penalty. It just Visa positioned his body in a certain way to where Reem couldn't avoid him, and it just from the ref's angle, he deemed it a penalty. So it was unfortunate. And then the third being in late in the game where legs are tired, and just a nice cut back from them to end it. On a good note for Brentford, who continue uh, a flawless run so far, two and zero in the season, um, looking great for them without Tony so far. Even without him last season, they performed well. So uh, there's always going to be talk potentially of him leaving in January. I'm sure there's going to be a couple clubs that are going to be lower than they expect in the in the winter window. So I'm sure he'll probably leave if I had to say right now, and I think they'd be okay with it. 
um, at this point. So they played five back last week, went with the four back this week. No Ben Me still. It seems like Nathan Collins has taken his position away from him at the moment. We'll wait and see until Ben Me's fully fit. But it seems like that center back partnership of Pinnock and Collins is looking strong. Flecken didn't have to do too much either. Nice little clean sheet for him. And then Jensen dropping dimes uh, as the playmaker in the middle. So on the full amend, it's tough. Uh, bad week for them. I still have issues with their midfield. We did get to see Paulinha make a sub appearance. Picked up a nice yellow card for himself, continuing his run from last year. He led the league last year with, I think, 12 or 13 bookings. So he's looking to make it back-to-back. Yeah, just Lucas isn't doing it for me. Pereira is too too inconsistent. He can be a great maestro for them at 10, but he plays a little too deep at times, especially in games like this where they don't really have much going for them. And for a guy like Jimenez, who is getting down the wing and hitting random Rabonas to nobody, uh, it's not a good formula. And I'd like to see Harry Wilson do a lot better because it's now he's actually getting the minutes in a first-team position in the Prem for a solid team, and the results just aren't going their way at the moment. So I'm sure they'll be able to put some string some results together, especially against lower competition. We saw them against Everton last week. So I don't know if it's going to happen this week against Arsenal, but at least they hopefully they don't get as embarrassed like they did here. Yeah. Um, All right, let's move on to the next one. Tottenham 2, United 0. Good Lord. I mean, this was this was insane. I don't think this one went, uh, you know, kind of how everybody expected. Uh, I think people thought Tottenham would take a little bit longer to to gel, but man, they're they're playing some some seriously inspired football. In the 49th minute, Pape Matar Sar fired Spurs in front. Uh, Sar sort of just put himself in the right spot. Kulisevsky got a lot of space on the byline. Broke down, sent a right foot across in. Just went across the face of the goal. Kind of bounced generously for Sar, but a great finish. Left-footed strike right into the back of the net. Just up two minutes later, uh, Anthony should have scored, but he hit the post. Uh, Fernandez won possession in the final third and just cut right past the defense. Passed it to Anthony. He cut inside again and then was denied by the post, unfortunately. In the 56th minute, we had a fantastic save, probably the first really good save from Vicario. Uh, denied Casemiro. Great cross in from Bruno, but it was just not meant to be. Header was saved by Vicario, turned it right over the bar. Uh, and then again, in the 83rd minute, we saw Spurs score this one sort of uh, own goal. I'd award the own goal to Lissandro Martinez, but... I've seen some places award the goal to Ben Davies. He didn't connect well with uh, his strike, but kind of just bounced on a Martinez and went right uh, past Onana. 2-0, end of the match. Spurs getting an extremely important three points against what you would imagine or what you would consider a prestigious club. Um, will absolutely take, or Spurs fans will absolutely take that. And as a United despiser recently uh i will certainly take that yeah it went how we thought it'd go um after seeing how united squeaked out a result over over wolves last week off that poor uh missed call which the referees 
paid for by being kicked off of this week's slate of matches. Um, and we did see a makeup call in the Villa game for a similar situation. So I think we're going to see those calls given for now on when, when keepers come out and just completely take players out with no ball in the area. So moving forward, Onana's got to be careful. And in this game, he just got abused for it. Bad karma there. Rashford's upset. He's playing at the striker again. He can't do much by himself. Uh, I'm still on the. St- I'm still taking the stance of Garnacho is not a starter starter yet for this team. I believe he's a he's a solid super sub off the bench for 20 minutes to get get the energy up, especially um, when they're catching teams with heavy legs. Um, so next week we could be seeing Hoyland make his debut. Whether he's starting or not is up to Ten Hag, but we could see him up top and Rashford on the left, which could get better results. Um, Anthony again, unfortunate hitting off woodwork. Casemiro had a solid chance from a Bruno Bruno cross. Um, Luke Shaw putting in good balls, and still Mason Mount still trying to find his just his uh, form and just trying to fit in with this team. He it seemed like majority of the time he was a ghost out there, and you forgot he was out there at most of the time. So. He's looking like he needs to get things rolling, especially next week where they host Forrest, which could be couldn't be a better matchup for him to get his debut goal. But poor from them. When we go to Tottenham, they couldn't be any higher on the season. After Harry Kane leaves, they pick up a solid draw against a Brentford team that's going to look solid throughout throughout the year, and then a big win against um, rivals in the table here. So uh, James Madison did end up with a protective boot after the match. He left the stadium on. They're potentially going to get a scan on, or they're, they had a scan on him today. We'll probably hear the results of it tomorrow and or Wednesday, depending on how his swelling is. So that could be scary for them because he's been their MVP so far. Uh, Sargon, his debut goal for Spurs was solid. Uh, that Adogi at left back looks great. 20 years old, Italian, fits right in there. With this inverted wingback uh, setup that Postacoglu does is working really well for them. And to not have to deal with a, a Davin center Dyer in the back, Romero and Venn seem like a solid pairing that can get the job done. And we did mention that Vicario and goal um, and just calling him Vic. So we could just call him Vic and goal. He's uh, He had a great game here. The first game, everybody thought he was he was sketchy and would have a bad year, but... He got he bounced back here, made some great saves even when they were deemed offsides, and overall great performance. Um, and I guess my low key player of the of the game would for them would be Basuma. He seems like he's had a fresh breath of air um, with a mm-hmm. new manager, not dealing with Conte, who didn't see anything in him. And after last year, after he made that move from Brighton, people deeming he'd be the next guy in there for them to run it. Uh, it was a year too early, and now he's looking great. So. It's all up for Tottenham at the moment, and for United, it's back to that wishy-washy year where they just need to get get everybody fit. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to what we thought would be the game of the week. Manchester City 1, Newcastle 0. Only one goal separated these two teams, and of course it fell to Manchester City. Um, deadlock was broken by Alvarez. Uh, Foden had a plenty of time and plenty of space on the right to pick out Alvarez right on the edge of the box. He put it onto his right foot and just smashed into the far corner. Pope really couldn't get to it. He did get to a finger, or he did get a finger on it. Um, uh, but that's only because he's fucking enormous. And that was it. 
that was the only goal that we saw in this game. Holland had a couple of chances. Um, Tonali, not as great in this one for Newcastle. Uh, you know, I, I thought last week he was fantastic, but this was, you know, a match against a much, much tougher team. Uh, going up against Rodri and Kovacic in midfield battles is never a easy task. Holland, Foden, Grealish really all had their way, um, you know, in terms of space. And I, I really want to take a minute to say that Phil Foden was really, really impressive in this game. I mean, I know him and Grealish are, are sort of battling for time, um, but Foden really does need to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a regular fixture in this team. And I, I honestly think that Alvarez is more suited uh, playing out wide and that Foden should probably be in the center behind Holland because his profile as a player fits more of the De Bruyne role. I think his creativity in terms of passing and his ability to not only create space for himself, but the forwards ahead of him is super impressive. So I'd, I'd really like to see Foden sort of slotted in centrally playing the attacking mid role instead of outside kind of playing, you know, right mid, right wing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, City plays somewhat narrowly, so it's not like he's being exiled out there anyway. Um, but man, I was, I was super impressed with him. And again, impressed by, by City defensively. It's crazy what happens when you leave Rico Lewis on the bench. They had Guardiola in here playing left back. And then Diaz and Akanji, who I think both had fantastic matches alongside Kyle Walker, who is getting along in the tooth, but was able to summon a somewhat decent performance as well. So fantastic uh, performance from City. Newcastle are a really, really strong team. And they weren't necessarily up to it on the day. But I think, um, you know, you, you have to take your points where you can get them. And City are a tough team. They're, they're not going to give you uh, a ton of chances. And just kind of how it is with them. Yeah, Eddie Howe used all five of his subs while Pep didn't take anybody out. Everybody for City played the full 90. And this was after a midweek Super Cup victory over Sevilla and penalties. So... These guys are getting a lot of minutes in early in the year to get things going. Foden, as you mentioned, a stellar performance. Alvarez is is loving life now that he's getting regular minutes there in behind Holland, which seems like a perfect position for him. And yeah, it was overall dominant performance. I will give credit to Newcastle. They limited City with their possession, holding it under 60%, as well as not letting them hit over 700 passes. And they kept it within 200 passes of each other. So... It was tough. It was a tough ask for Newcastle to go away and get a result here, as some of us thought they could. But it wasn't meant to be, and there's still that gap uh, for the, for them to go to get to that level. But it's, it shows that they're a serious contender and can, can compete once again for a top-four finish. And they have a lot to look forward to as they're bulking up their, their depth off the bench here, bringing in guys like Harvey Barnes, Wilson. We did see Livermento get some minutes here. Uh, on one of the wings and I think they're also they just brought in Lewis Hall as well from Chelsea so they're definitely building a squad to compete on multiple fronts and I definitely think it's this is a you can take some a lot of positives out of this result yeah no doubt um I mean losing one nil to them is like it's fine if you're if you're Newcastle um you may have been sort of contending last season um but City are just a fucking behemoth you're I don't think they're going to be upset with that at all 
Uh, okay, let's move on to Aston Villa versus Everton. Aston Villa get their revenge after being drubbed by Newcastle last week. John McGinn getting on the sheet earlier in the 18th minute. Douglas Louise with a penalty in the 24th. Leon Bailey, a player I thought would be great last season, off to a hot start, scored in the 51st, and then John Duran in the 75th. Everton could not deal with Villa whatsoever. We had seven shots on target for Villa, 61% possession. Passed the ball all around the park, just absolutely. They made these guys run so fucking hard. And we saw Calvert-Lewin come off. Uh, we saw Gay come off, Decore, Iwobi, all of the players that sort of moved the needle at Everton besides Onana, who I like as well, all being taken off and, and being replaced by Denjuma, Nopi, Lewis Dobbin. Uh, players of lesser quality. Everton just not up to the task whatsoever. They got completely destroyed. Uh, fantastic off offensive performance from Aston Villa. Unfortunately, Diaby not able to get on the score sheet, but super, super happy to see him playing right in between or right in behind Ollie Watkins. I think Villa are going to be a really tough team to contain. They have a lot of pace and a lot of talent on the ball going forward. And this was just uh, an exhibition of that. Yeah, and to be fair to Everton, you mentioned DCL and Wobi being taken out. They both picked up unfortunate injuries. Right, but that's Calvert, just... Yeah, Lewin running into Martinez and getting a, a big golf ball-sized contusion on his face. He had to come out for that, as well as a Wobi non-contact his hamstring, so he may be out for at least a month to multiple, which is unfortunate. Now they'll, they'll be out without those two. Uh, Dwight McNeil as well as Jack Harrison so attacking wise it's looking rough apparently they're about to sign Che Adams from Southampton so him and Dan Juma will be options as well as Neil Mopai not the best uh, striker locker room but to fill in until the other guys get fit uh, I watched recent training videos of this team and Onana says he's him he looked far from it here yep. and definitely contender for Worst player of the week, Ashley Young. Um, <laughs> that last goal that they gave up on his throw-in was just inexcusable. And Jordan Pickford, I still don't understand why he signed a new contract with this team. He definitely would have had options to play at teams higher, like like Aston Villa in the table. And it's just mind-boggling to me why he puts himself through this hell every single year. So tough scenes for them. Uh, Villa, as you mentioned, mentally get back on the horse here after taking a drubbing. They even out their goal differential, and all the attackers were involved here. Uh, I was a bit surprised that Luis took the pen. I thought yeah. Watkins would, but Weird. I think I heard McGinn and Luis will be sharing that duty, so he won't be spat, uh, stat padding there. Uh, also, another unfortunate injury, Coutinho. He did his knee after coming back from a long-term injury. He just redid it. And unfortunately, he couldn't even put any weight on it, barely got off the field, and really struggled to get towards the locker room. So it's it's really sad to see him go out like that um, after recently potentially being linked to Saudi and Qatar, and now those clubs will probably pull out from him, and he'll be in rehab for the rest of 2023 most likely. So it's a sad way to see him go out of this game. Yeah. Um. Okay. Go ahead. Take the next one. Oh, yeah. Um, West Ham, Chelsea. West Ham picked up a massive three points here against Chelsea at home. 3-1. New signing, James Ward-Prowse immediately coming into effect off a corner. 
uh, assisting to Aguirre wide open on the, in the box for a header. Uh, Chelsea did respond, though, after great possession, build up a lot. Uh, Chilwell was being utilized a lot at the left. Get Malgusto making a start covering for Reese James now until he's fit. Uh, Chuka Mecca getting his first goal for Chelsea. Uh, great creating his own space and, and knuckling it in the far corner. Uh, it was a great moment for him, celebrating with all the boys. Saw how much it meant to him, but before the half, he picked up a, a, a knee injury for himself and will potentially be out for a long time. It's really weird seeing this amount from all players in the league picking up so many non-contact injuries. Like It's really sad, but I guess that's where we're at now, how hard they're pushing each themselves from the end of last season into this preseason. Uh, we saw unfortunate injuries in America for a lot of those teams that came over. So we're still seeing those effects, but we move on. And uh, Mudrik had to come in for him. He didn't have a proper uh, showing either. And then in the 53rd minute, lost possession. Uh, Ward-Prowse slips in Antonio. Uh, Dizassi steps off him and gives him enough space to knuckle it in the far post. Sanchez didn't have a chance. He had a bit of a stinker today, or in the on the day. Uh, and then, um, sorry, before that, we were given a penalty in the first half. I forgot. I, I blocked it out, but somehow dropped back to me for more trauma. But we get a penalty. Sterling had a phenomenal game. Uh, created a lot of opportunities and was taken down by Suchek. Out of all people to take the penalty after Jorginho left um, is Enzo Fernandez, the man we're trying to center our team around. And uh, poor penalty, really poor, poor save by Ariola. Could have went into the half up 2-1, but 1-1, and then start of the second, we go down 2-1, and things just looked really bleak. Yep. Moises Caicedo comes in for Ben Showo. We do restructuring in the back. Um, to change things up. Nay Figuer picked up his second yellow. This was another red card of the weekend. So he's out. We're playing up a man with our new boy in. Um, Matueke comes in as well, coming back from to get some fitness for him. And things just didn't work. We, just, we tried, 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 and nothing worked. And then Caicedo, of all people, gives up a penalty in the 94th minute, and uh, Paqueta steps up and buries it. And... We're playing. We were we were playing guys that weren't fully fit and shouldn't have come into this game in Caicedo and Madueke. And after all the money we've spent on all the players the last three windows, and we still have guys like Mason Burstow coming in to as another striker option is is just really mind boggling. So we are a really young team. We will have moments here, but it was really. It seemed as if Poch went into this game trying to attempt to combat West Ham's strengths rather than just focus on how we can play to our game and expose them. So it seems like from the beginning before a ball was kicked that we were on the back foot and it showed with that early goal on the set piece. So not every team is going to play like West Ham with, with the amount of size they have, but they will be playing those low blocks and holding it down and we just can't give up the first goal because if we give up the first goal we play into their hands and we're chasing the game and we did get back into it but but it just wasn't meant to be and we're still looking to gain fitness we need to work more on the training ground and with no european competitions to interrupt the training we're we're going to get there so it's better it's like college football it's like take your losses early in the year and then Mm -hmm. come the end of the year that's when you get rolling so um i'd rather see us pick up these results now and make these mistakes early on to where we can learn from them. And then um, we grow and grow. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, 
this was really tough. I'm I'm happy at least that Chelsea have some sort of desire to hold the ball, possess the ball, and and make chances instead of last year, which was a lot of just like kick and run. There didn't seem to be any sort of game plan whatsoever. It was really really bad. This formation is fucking shit though. I don't know. I don't three, know. Four, three. I I just don't like it. I I don't I, I don't see this being effective and sterling was like a bright spot in this game which is that's tough like that that's that's really really tough i think it's time that they just just put mudrick in and and put i don't know about madweke but definitely start mudrick and nico jackson hasn't necessarily been as impressive as i thought he would be i don't think he's been bad but like if you're gonna play all these young guys, which they're doing, I mean, DeSassi, I think Desassi's been really good, actually. Same thing with Colwell, Gusto. We're seeing a lot of him. Like, just just let Mudrick start because bringing him on that late, he's not really gonna be able to get going. And I think West Ham have an extremely average defense. Like th- that guy is so quick; he should be able to just slice them open. And I think if Chelsea started hotter here, they'd have been able to do it. They'd been been able to win the game. But playing from behind the entire time is just so tough. And letting Mikel Antonio score on you in his current state is is fucking brutal. So I don't I don't know what you thought about Robert Sanchez either. I don't think he looked very good. Uh, I mean, you're we bought a backup goalie who's now our first team. I know. Couldn't couldn't got kicked out of the starting job for Brighton who the last couple of years are performing at a higher level than us, but yeah, it's not looking good in that position. And I don't see us bringing in anybody until next summer yeah. to replace him, even though we signed him on like a seven, eight year deal or six year deal. So we're just going to have to rock with him. And I mean, on, on the thing I'm using, it shows we're playing a three, four, three, but I think we do rotate into that four, two, three, one. Chilwa moves up to that left wing role with Gallagher and Fernandez deep, Chukwameka in front, and then you have Gusto slides it right back, and then unfortunately you had Caldwell at left back where that's not his ideal spot. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like this moving forward. With more fitness and time, I'm sure Fernandez and Caicedo will be in there. And now with Chukwameka out, um, there's going to be a big opening at that 10 spot. So whether you put Gallagher in there, which I'm sure is a, a high possibility, or... I mean, you don't really have anybody else that I see getting that role besides Gallagher at the moment. That um, Ugu Chukwa seems like a more holding guy, more more rotation guy. I don't see Mudrik in there. I don't see Sterling in there. Maybe when Broya comes back fitter, you play Jackson in behind him, kind of similar to how Alvarez plays with Holland, and they, they flip-flop between them, but... That's the that's the joy of having all these versatile players is you can miss mix mix and match, but at a certain time you need to lock down with a certain lineup and a certain formation that guys can get reps in week in and week out. And if it's this, we just need to learn from these moments and yep. pick and choose our tactics depending on their opponent, like Potch did here. But I think he just got it wrong from the start. So unfortunately. We took it on the chin, and now we have to bounce back next week where it's a must-win. We have to get our first win next week against Luton, who look really poor. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, And then we'll move on to the last game of the week, Crystal Palace nil, Arsenal 1. 
Arden Odegaard with a penalty in the 53rd minute was the difference in this one. And I'll tell you, not that much separated these two teams today. Watch the whole game. Uh, just an unfortunate error from Sam Johnstone coming out uh, to sort of smother a ball that Enketia had latched onto, unfortunately. Enketia too quick to the ball, and Sam Johnstone too quick to the ground, pulled Enketia down, and a penalty was awarded. Um, Odegaard was given the ball from, like, Saka gave it to him, which I was... I'm thrilled. I've been, I'm on record saying I, I wish Odegaard was the one taking the penalties. Um, and I'm really, really glad that, that Saka gave it up. I think it'll probably be this way for the remainder of the season. I'm hoping it's that way. Um, and I think Saka was super contained in this game. I don't know what his confidence level was. And if he's not feeling confident, then it's fine. It's totally fine to give it to Odegaard. He's the captain. Um, uh-huh. I thought it was more so because maybe they shoot against each other with England because they both go to England camp and maybe he wasn't prepared for somebody like Odegaard. He didn't, it wasn't like, cause Sokka's the penalty taker and it kind of threw Johnson off and you saw when he took it, he didn't know what was going on. So I maybe guess, it was like I a mean, that's, game thing. That's fair too. I didn't think about that, but I think, I think there was a conversation that was had like Sokka has missed a lot right. of penalties, a lot of important penalties too, um, and I think there was there was a conversation that was one hundred percent had between Mikel and him. Um, obviously, there's no reports on that, but I'm I'm confident uh, that that's um, you know something was said, and I think the penalty duties will have been changed. I know Saka grabbed the ball immediately, but I think that was instinctive. Um, I think it'll be Odegaard going forward, and if he's going to take pens like he took that pen, then that's totally fine. I mean, that was just perfect. It was a, a modern penalty. That's what the announcer said. It was Andrews Townsend, fantastic. Yeah, Andrews Townsend, not bad to be fair, not bad at all. I think he uh, he had a great showing on uh, on commentary today. Yeah, if, if they didn't announce his name, I would have thought he was just a regular guy up there. Yeah, he was awesome. Peter Peter Drury, yeah, he fit right in. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, this, this game was super tightly contested. Uh, I think palace looked really good. Uh, Jordan, uh, yeah, Jordan, are you, uh, there's so many of them had a fantastic match, uh, skinned Havertz a couple of times. Oh. And, and, uh, I mean, that was just absolutely foul. Um, as they put him on skates, uh, as a, <laughs> he sent Declan Rice to a different dimension. And then he took somebody else on. I forget who else. It was the Partey. it was the same play. Maybe it was Partey, where the penalty, the penalty definitely should have been awarded, but wasn't. Which was a makeup call on something else. We'll talk about in a minute. Um, yeah, as they look fantastic. I think Schlupp actually had a decent game. Uh, are you good? Edward sold a couple of chances. Palace should have probably scored in this one, even if they weren't awarded the penalty. They probably scored. Should have scored from open play. They weren't able to do it, unfortunately. Saliba, Ben White, really, really good shifts from them. Alongside Declan Rice, who I think had a great game. Uh, got forward a couple times, played a couple of really nice passes into Enketia, who literally couldn't finish a meal tonight. But yeah, wise substitutions from Mikel, um, and really steely in defense to round the game out. So super happy with the three points. Uh, and the one other thing I wanted to talk about was Tomiyasu red card, which was the fifth red card uh double yellow got one for time wasting which he shouldn't have got the time wasting yellow card should have actually been given 
to Averts earlier on uh, because Havertz held the ball for about 13 seconds and Tomiyasu only held it on the throw in for about eight. So it should have gone to, to Havertz. Unfortunately, it was given to Tomiyasu and then he also dragged Ayu down late. Uh, not a ton of contact, but definitely something from behind. He was stopping play. Another yellow had to be issued and he was sent off in the 67th. It did make the game harder for us. I wish we could have opened it up a little bit more if we didn't lose a man, but three points is three points and i don't think any arsenal fans will be complaining about that yeah i mean this performance on top of the forest one it's been a little shaky for arsenal they've been pretty fortunate to get these results to, to hold them on or to hold on to them we saw at the end of the game you had every single defensive option out there um besides kai havertz is the only attacker left the any resemblance of an attacker out on the pitch to be an outlet, but it was really tough. I thought Enketia still finds himself in great situations. Once again, like the Forest game, had two or three solid opportunities to score and just couldn't find a way to get it in. We could see Jesus back next week. Might be a little early for him, but maybe he'll make a substitute appearance. Um, oh no, uh, was that? Yeah, never mind. He's going to be out until like the international break, so we'll see more of Enketia, but. He, we know he fills in well in that role. We couldn't see any solid production out of Saka Martinelli. Mitchell pretty much solidified or locked down Saka. Uh, his great one on one. And then, um, I don't know, still Partey at one of those fullback roles, taking time away from uh, Ben White being out there, who last year but did great out there, him and Saka and Odegaard on the right. And then um, we, Kieran Tierney wasn't on the bench here. There's talks of nope. him leaving. Um, it seems almost certain now that Spain. the window's coming to a close. Spain, they're saying, so see, Dad. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm sure he wants to leave on a permanent because his role after last year, Brandon Zinchenko, was al almost confirmed that he's not the starter anymore. And uh, a few years ago, he was a lockdown guy, one of the first names on the team sheet, and didn't, do, didn't really put many steps uh, wrong moving forward. So, unfortunate for him. Uh, Rye on the bench here, there was the talks of who's going to be the starting goalie. I'm sure it's going to be Ramsdale moving forward. I don't see why you would rotate him now after picking up a clean sheet here. And then, um, yeah, it's just fortunate for Arsenal here. And then for Palace, I would say, when the red card happened, they're playing up a man. We saw the lack of depth off their bench. They brought on two youngsters. They don't really have any X-Factors off the bench to change the game for them and to add something different. Um, having they had to heavily rely on Eze to create almost everything. Edward had a had a bit of a stinker up there. Uh, Schlupp couldn't create too much. Ayu um, does like to take people on, but just doesn't have that ability to get by people as easily as Eze. And then um, the fullbacks were more reserved there. Mitchell and Ward aren't the best uh, progressively attacking guys when it comes to situations like this where they heavily dominated possession in the latter half of the game. So um, tough for them not to get anything out of it, but it is what it is. Call didn't go their way. They have to live with it. And uh, Ray Hodgson picks up a loss, uh, I think, at home for the first time in a long time since he came back for his second time around. Um, so yeah, I think Palace can take some positives out of this. They can hold their own against a top team like Arsenal, but Arsenal still, like City last week, were still in their early set of gears and are still trying to figure out um, their overall starting 11 there.
playing Partey in there. Ben White slotting in at center back is new now. And Havertz, like with Mount at United still, is trying to find his way into this team and just solidify what his role is. Yeah. Um. Okay. How about we do our best and worst of the week? Do you want to start off good or bad? I think let's start off with the bad and, and I'll let you go. All right. Well, we introduced our, our best, our, our Eli Porter best player of the week. And now we, we deemed it should be fair that we also mentioned the worst player. And this one's brought to you by Stephen A. Smith. So with that being said, I would have to say, if I could, I would say all of Everton for my bad of the yeah. week. But if I had to pick one person, I'll go with Ashley Young. Um, getting skinned out there by his former teammates in Bailey and Diaby. Well, not Diaby, but just his former club in general. And uh, just that throw-in, catching everybody off guard, and Duran being aware enough to get on it and get a free goal for himself. I think his first goal for the club is just capitalized how shit of a day it was for Everton. All right. I, I think that's that's entirely fair. Um you know this this is a tough one. Uh I think my 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 worst player of the week uh in terms of, of nonsense it, it's gotta be Mateus Nunez. The double yellow being the number one midfielder in that wolf side it, it's just it, it's so brainless. It's it's pure frustration He's gonna fuck wolves. He's gonna be out for a week. Um, I I hate to see that kind of just just poor decision making. And wolves are going up against Palace next week. They're absolutely gonna need him. No, or, sorry, sorry, Everton. it's Everton. Oh well, that's sort of even better. Kind of kind of shoots my case in the foot a little bit, but still, I think that is just absolutely foolish. So ridiculous. No need for that whatsoever. Uh, had an absolute stinker of a day, regardless on top of getting a red card. So I'm, I'm going to have to give it to him. That, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, and to start off the year the way they did, and now you're playing Everton, it's a must-win game against a team they should be beating. So um, you never want to miss early matches um, or, or miss matches early in the season trying to find form. So, all right. I'm sure Zach would have said somebody on United, but we can get his thoughts next week after they, they finish up against Forrest. But... That was that was worst player of the week. Moving on to our best player of the week, brought to you by Eli Porter. I'm the best man. I did it. Mm. Mm. Would you like to lead off since I did the worst first? I would. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out Yoan Visa. Um, I know you guys call him Vis. I I always say Wissa. Um, man, this guy this guy's fucking special. Came off the bench last week, scored a goal. Got the start this week, uh, scored a goal, absolutely destroyed Tim Ream and had his way uh, with all of the Fulham defenders. It was subbed off late, but he's just, he, he's special, man. He's really good. He's super quick, um, has an excellent first touch, like explosion wise. And I think he's just become an extremely serviceable guy for Brentford. He was last year. Same thing with Embuemo. Uh, and I think he's really going to step up this year in the absence of Tony. So I'm going to go with, with Yoan. Uh, and he is on my fantasy team, so I'm a, <laughs> a little bit uh, a little bit biased. But every time I watch him, like I am impressed. I, I genuinely think uh, he's a really talented player. 
Yeah, I think it's a good call. And I think playing for a team like Brentford, the the stress and the just the pressure isn't as high on him I as agree. it would be for like a Mudrick for Chelsea or uh, like a Anthony with United where any single mistake you do is ripped apart. And with Brentford, you're not expecting the world out of them. No. And for what they're doing now, it's phenomenal and you'd love to have it in your team. So I think that's a good pick for me. Um, close call between two, but I'd have to go with Phil Foden after Kevin De Bruyne being ruled out until January, February. He steps up into that role now and just seamlessly takes over. He sh- he's a guy that is still only 23 years old. He's won five Premier League titles already and could win another five by the time he leaves. It is is just great. And against a team like Newcastle, he just ripped him apart and just found pockets where he could create things and got the assist on the winning goal for Alvarez. So I got to go with him. And honorable mention would have to be Basuma. So that concludes the our best players of the week and our worst players of the week. And I guess now we can move on to our predictions for week three. Yeah, absolutely. We've got Chelsea versus Luton Town as Ooh. our first game. What's that? I was just going to say our records from week two. Oh, God, God. Everybody did really good, really, really good. Um, only nine games, but everybody smashed it. Evan and Zach, seven and two. And I went eight and one. So... Of course, the only one I got wrong is the Chelsea game. Shocker against the Hammers. Um, so overall records, Evan 13 and 6. Zach and I 14 and 5. So it's a phenomenal start from it, everybody. Yeah, I mean, we're um, cooking, dude. Hopefully we can move on or carry this to week three, where I think we've had a lot of luck because a lot of the favorites have been pulling out for us. Yeah, well, well, let's not even think about it. Uh, yeah, Chelsea yeah, yeah. versus Luton Town, up first. Don't even need to think about this one. Chelsea. My problem is I kind of do have to think about it. Um, we're picking up more and more injuries, just like last year. Now Reese James out, Chukumeka most likely out. Um, Broya is slightly coming, to, is going to make a comeback potentially. And I don't know if Lavi and Caicedo will be fully fit for this game after seeing what Caicedo did. He um, sucks ass. Yesterday, this. so... We'll wait and see. He didn't even have a preseason because of the whole drama throughout the summer. So he doesn't really have any any legs under him yet. So I think it could be a bit rushed to start him here. So hopefully Gallagher's in there. But I think you have to go with Chelsea here. And if it's anything but a win, I think we have some serious questions because this, this next three-game uh, stretch we have with Luton, Bournemouth, and Burnley. Not a, no, it's, or, sorry. it's Nottingham Forest. Yeah, Luton, Forest, and Burn, Bournemouth. Oh. We have to we have to get nine points out of this, and we have to start off with three here to get some confidence with the boys. We got to score a lot of goals. It's at home, so we don't have to go to that dinky ass stadium yet, which is a positive. Yeah, and yeah, has to has to has to be three points. All right. Up next, we have Bournemouth and Tottenham. Uh, I'll take Tottenham in that one. Easy. See, like. This is the Spurs. No, this is the game that they would lose, like, no doubt about it. And I liked Bournemouth against Liverpool last week because we were talking about it being a 6 niller, but Bournemouth held their own, especially early on. And Tottenham do play a similar style when they build it out of the back. They risk it all and are definitely going to have mistakes where things slip up. And I think Bournemouth can capitalize on it here, but I think I'm going to go with a draw. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we have 
I'll I'll let you pick these two first. Brentford versus Crystal Palace. What'd you say? Sorry. I'll let you pick these two like first so that okay. I don't get to pick first all the time. Take picks. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, Brentford and Crystal Palace. For Brentford and Palace, similarly, I think I'm going to go with a draw. Brentford at home are very, very strong. But from what I saw from Palace today against Arsenal, and I think they're going to hold more possession here than Brentford could be positive. So I think they share the points here. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with Brentford. Uh, this is tough because I enjoy watching both of these teams so much, and I, I do think they're both extremely talented in an individual personnel sense and as a team. Uh, but I'm going to go with Brentford. I just think that they've been better attacking. They've scored more goals. They look to be a little bit more effective uh, putting the, the ball in the back of the net. So Palace can try all they want, but I do think Brentford edged them in this one. Could be tight, but I think they do it. Uh, okay. And then up next, we have Arsenal versus Fulham, that one should be pretty easy. Who do you have there? Uh, I'm going to go with Arsenal. Um, it's going to be tough, though. No Tamiyasu now. And they're probably going to fill Zinchenko back in there, hopefully, to start. Partey on the right is going to be interesting going up against Willian, most likely. That's going to be a, a, a setup for disaster for him, as we've seen him getting skinned more and more by those quick wingers. But I think since it's at home, you got to go with the Gooners. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go with them as well. Uh, up next, we have Manchester United versus Nottingham Forest. This one could be tough. Uh, I think I'm going to take a draw. I think, considering how shambolic they've been in the midfield and defense, I think Taiwo could get a goal early, and United may just have to score one and, and share the points. I could look like a clown here, but I'm, I'm going to take a draw. Until they start to show me something, I don't I don't want to pick them. No, I considered it as well, but I think I'm going to stick with United here. I think we see Hoyland at some point. I don't think he starts, but we could see him make a 20-30 minute appearance. I think he gets a goal to get him a winner here, so I'm going to go with the home team. Okay, uh, and then we have Everton versus Wolves. God, such an AIDS match. I, w I will not be watching this full game. I will be watching <laughs> the highlights of this. Um, fucking hell. I... We'll take Wolves, I guess. I don't know. I'm just depending on Mateus Cunha to absolutely cook. He's He has to cook if they want to win this game. So it's probably going to be a draw, but I will take Wolves. I, I'm taking Wolves as well. Uh, had to reconsider at the last moment now that Nunes is out because he's been their main driving factor on the midfield. So they're going to have to rely more on Sarabia, who's done good with limited minutes, as well as Pedro Neto. So... And with Everton, without with all, all out all the guys I mentioned prior, it's going to be a very very young attacking team. We could see Dan Juma get the start finally up there because when he even last week against Villa with the situation they were in, he did a lot of positive defensive work as well as still pressed late in the game. So he could be somebody to build off of for them going forward with all these injuries. Yeah. Um. Okay. Up next, Brighton versus West Ham. This one's your pick. Uh, you got to go Brighton here, especially at home. They, they haven't showed any mistakes, and why would you think they would against West Ham here? Um, with Ward-Prowse here now, we saw uh, another new boy, Alvarez, Mexican from Ajax, come in for some minutes against Chelsea. So 
their midfield is back bulking. They're going to sign a few more, but I just think Brighton, the way they play, is far superior than what West Ham have seen so far this year. So, got to go with Brother Seagulls. Yeah, um, I'll take Brighton as well. That's an easy one for me. And then Sheffield United versus Manchester City. Yep, another City win on the books. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we have a lot of... Uh... A lot of different picks this week, but what are you going to do? Then we have Burnley versus Aston Villa. Uh, I think I'll take Villa in this one. They looked offensively extremely good last week, and I think Burnley are going to be subjected uh, to some some absolute torture from their front three, four, really. Um, who do you have there? They had a whole week off, two weeks, I guess, from their last match uh, since their last game was postponed. And to play a Villa team who we saw get blown out as well as blow another team out, this should be a closer game. I think we'll see the more realistic Burnley throughout the year here. Uh, but I still got to go with Villa because just the unknown is too much to really rely on here for them. So I think I'm going to go with what I just recently saw, the recency bias of Villa. Okay. Um, and then we have the last game of the week, probably game of the week, Newcastle versus Liverpool. Uh, you, you can give me Newcastle on this one. Yeah, I went with Newcastle as well. I didn't, I didn't hesitate too much to take them due to uh, the last two matches they had, and also considering Liverpool's defense and what they did against Bournemouth in the first thirty. If if they do anything similar to that, Newcastle will definitely score at least two on them, and I don't see them getting out of that hole. Yeah. So you got to go with the home team again with the Geordies here. Yeah, I'm just hoping that Trent starts back there. Because it's going to be a fucking slaughter if he does. Um, okay, that's it. Uh, just at an hour for you guys. I have a fantasy draft in 15 minutes. Uh, not for a super important league. So I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And until next week, enjoy the games, and we'll see you then.